0: Two two seven nine Sagam versus United States. Mrs. Mr. Rayan.
1: Thank you, Your Honor. May it please the court. This court has made clear that the Court of Federal Claims must review corrective action decisions using a highly deferential, arbitrary and capricious standard. Under this standard, the trial court is not permitted to substitute its own judgment for that of the agency. And it's certainly not permitted to impose its own corrective action when it disagrees with the corrective action taken by okay, the agency. Okay.
0: So before we get started into the heart of this complaint, can we ask you a few threshold procedural questions? Yes, sir. You argued below at some point uh, that this would have been the reason you, couldn't, you shouldn't issue an injunction is that it would make it all moot and it would be moved.
1: Why is this case not moved? Well, because the court can still grant effectual relief to the government here on appeal. Um, the... Well, let me
0: ask you. I mean, we had the first year of the contract. That's over. Yes. Could the government not, in its own discretion, have, have, set, has, have not agreed to have any of the four-year renewals after that and just ended it there? And if it had ended there, wouldn't the whole injunction be done and over with?
1: Um, well, I don't. I don't know that the government, under the court, under at least certainly the spirit of the court's injunction, could have simply ended the um, could have ended the contract upon the basis that you know it wants to proceed with the resolicitation that allows well, allows I mean, towards pay- the. Under to contra- telling-
2: the contract, you, the government has the, the sole discretion to decide whether to pick up the option, correct?
1: That's it. that's
2: so, true. So, that's true. So that's so at the end of the, the contract is currently in an option year, right? Yes. Okay. So I think it's March thirty-one comes to an end. So if the government elects not to pick up the option, the contract terminates, right?
1: That that would be true. And if well, the go- if the
2: government says technical, it isn't it isn't canceled. It terminates.
1: Right, the the contract. The, if the government didn't pick and up you, and you the are not, option,
2: you're not you're not enjoying from terminating the contract.
1: Well, we're we're not we're not enjoying from terminating the contract if, say, you know, Sagam was performing poorly or saw, no, no, or no, for no, some no, reason yes, yeah, like it that. It to an end.
2: If you elect not to pick up the option, the end of the performance. Right, the contract is terminated.
1: Right, but I under the trial court's injunction, I mean the trial court so that under
0: the trial is it your view that under the trial court's injunction you are required absent something else messing up to award SAGAM all of the options and go through the entire five year period?
1: We what we don't think is permissible under the trial court's order is to not pick up an option on SAGAM's contract because the agency wants to proceed with the resolicitation for the same reasons that it did before and to not, and to then proceed with the resolicitation because so the trial court did enjoin us from proceeding with the resolicitation. So you so, feel
0: like if the government's position is you have to go through all five years in the absence of them doing something else that would allow you to not renew it. But under this injunction, the injunction would hold for a five year period, not just for a one year period. That's correct, yes. Why is that
2: so? I mean, it's to follow through that you elect not to, to pick up an option, the contract is terminated. And let's say the agency decides then to have a new RFP. Well, why, why would they be enjoined from having a new RFP?
1: Because the trial court. Expressly stated it's enjoined from canceling the solicitation and from resoliciting the contract requirement. They wouldn't
2: be resoliciting the contract It's a different set of contract requirements when they put out a new RFP.
1: Well that would have been the that would have been the same we don't before know as that. well.
2: We don't know that. Well, that's part of the problem is we don't know what the agency's resolicitation proposal was.
1: That's true, Your Honor. And I, mm-hmm. I don't I don't understand the trial court's injunction to say that you can resolicitate, you can resolicit as long as you change a few things in the resolicitation. That wasn't, that certainly was not understanding of the trial court's injunction, and I don't think that would be satisfactory. The way
2: in which the contracting officer was talking, we're going to resolicit, and it's going to take the same request for proposal and put it out and say, try it again.
1: No, that's that's not, I don't, that's not what the, the, well, what, um,
2: what is, the, we need a case or controversy here. Yes. To proceed. What is, what's your, gripe with Sagam. Sagam sued you, right? Yes. What's 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 the dispute? As Are, you said in your motion for a partial stay, you had no longer have any disagreements with Sagam. No, we
1: didn't we didn't we didn't exactly say that say that I don't think. What we we said we said that there, we were concerned that there'd be risk, substantial risk that on appeal the court would find this case moot. We we now believe that was that statement was in error. But because we we are enjoined from res- you resoliciting, you said you no
2: longer have a dispute with Sagam about the award decision.
1: About the award decision, but there's still the resolicitation issue in the um, in the.
2: You said that injunction. statement is now an error. Why do you believe the statement is now in error?
1: Because we, we don't believe this case is moot, and we don't believe that's even a substantial question. Why well, isn't the it? Is, Because the court has enjoined us from resoliciting, and unless this injunction is overturned. The agency can't resolicit on the grounds that the Every, court has erroneously okay, required. So,
2: at the end of five years, they can't resolicit the contract.
1: Well, no. If,
2: if, a, if, why not? Why well, isn't that your argument?
1: I mean, I, honestly, it, looking just at the pure language of the injunction, you can make that argument. We don't think that's a reasonable Wait, so reading. Is
0: it, what is the government's reading that for the original contract and for the four year renewal, the injunction applies and you can't resolicit? But once that five-year period has lapsed, is it? Are you reading the injunction to say in perpetuity you could never resolicit?
1: No, we, is we it don't. The
0: five-year mark that you say, termi- the injunction is terminated. Right. We
1: we understand the not resoliciting to be through as long as Sagam's Sagam's current contract is going on. But we don't believe that under the injunction we can decline to exercise an option or terminate SAGEM's contract upon the basis that we believe the proper corrective action is to go, go forward with a resolicitation without this Well, that's a matter tort. of
2: interpreting the injunction, right? Yes. So we could interpret it differently if we didn't agree with you.
1: You could. We don't but think once that would the con- be...
2: once the contract is fully terminated at the end of five years, then I think you agree that there's no... If, if this were now... If the contract had just finished at five years, you would be conceding movements, right?
1: Uh, yes, I, th- I think that would be the case if this was. So why
2: is it any different over? when the contract comes to an end? Because the government says we don't, we don't want it's over. We don't want to renew, and it's our sole and exclusive right and our discretion to do that.
1: Because we we don't read the trial court's order as allowing us to. To end Stagham's contract upon the basis that it wants to go forward with a different corrective action, the original it corrective may not, action they proposed. Know.
2: It, may, it, it may decide that they don't. They're going to close the embassy. We don't know why. Uh, the agency would decide what it would do once it decided that it didn't want to continue with the option.
1: Sure, that's that's speculative. And, and if that were to happen, then yes, the case the case would be moot if the agency were to. Were to terminate for, for, for a reason right. such as that. But it's ongoing right now.
0: If we were to reverse, if we were to grant you the relief that you were seeking, what happens then in terms of is there any remedy for what's happened until today? I mean, for tourists or a harm to Sagam, do you try to recoup the money and unwield un- this? Or do you agree if we reverse starting tomorrow, what that does is give the ability to Terminate the contract and move forward.
1: Right, it's the latter. My understanding is the agency would then start the process of preparing for for a resolicitation and then terminate or um, or not ex- not extend uh, SAGAM's contract at the end okay, of that process. Once one of the, the things, things that's over. been
0: most confusing about this case is you're throwing in mitigation, but never explaining it or. So your position, as I understand it before us, is, well, part of the problem of what the Court of Federal Claims did is we didn't have an opportunity, we we may have mitigated. You still kind of cabin that all in terms of speculation. So in your view, if we were to reverse, what, if any, obligation do you have to mitigate? And who, if anyone, gets to review whether the mitigation is adequate? given the
1: circumstances of the project yeah under FAR 1.602-2 the contracting officer would have both the right and duty to explore whether there there should be any mitigation measures as a result of the disclosure that occurred in the in the prior procurement and to conduct a reason to conduct a reasonable Okay and what if they decide
0: no we don't need any mitigation it doesn't go back to, well, Judge Sweeney may be gone by then, but does, I mean, is that not reviewable under any standard by the Court of Federal Claims? If you decide, we can go forward with the contract, even given these problems that preceded it, and no mitigation is entitled, what, is that reviewable by yes. even? Yes, yes,
1: that, that would be reviewable so by. So it rate. just
0: goes up here again, and the Court says what it has already said, in two opinions, which is um, I can't see any way to mitigate this and then you lose so then we're here again two days in you know, two years from now
1: not, not necessarily your honor because the, at that it point we,
0: possible. it's possible
1: it's right? possible but at that point we would have we would have the new solicitation which may have which may have different terms before it that may I mean maybe the laws change we, we don't know what's going to happen with the new solicitation we didn't know that before the trial court so that's why it was inappropriate for the trial court to cut off the agency's opportunity to take these new mitigation measures, and instead to disqualify an
0: innocent offer. Well, it from wasn't the it to you. The question is, who should do what then? And now it's years past. But at the time, it was all ready fresh. So why did the government not have an obligation to say, to be straight up and say, no? Our, the issue before you is, we don't want to do any mitigation, and then she could decide. If they said we might want to do mitigation, then she has to back off and say, Well, I have to wait three years and see what mitigation you come up with and see if it's more satisfactory. You didn't give her any meat on the bones here, right? Because
1: because the question before the court under under Axiom Florida Power and light these decisions was simply whether the agency's cancellation decision was rational no, or not. No, it's
2: it's not just the cancellation decision. It's cancellation and resoliciting with of Torres involved. So, I mean, th- that's the part of the problem here is that the question is whether the corrective action was rational, right? Yes. Okay. So, part of the corrective action was to resolicit with Torres involved. Yes. Right. So, what was the rationale for allowing Torres to proceed in a resolicitation with no attempt to mitigate? The problem.
1: But that that decision hadn't been made. What was the
2: rationale? The contracting officer in the agency proposed to resolicit with Torres involved. Yes. Knowing that Torres had information it shouldn't have. Knowing that it could use that information in the resolicitation, information it didn't have. What part of the corrective action was designed to neuter Torres? possession of that information.
1: The, the agency hadn't addressed that yet because there because was no not, new solicitation. was nothing in
2: the administrative record.
1: Because the agency hadn't addressed it yet. that but, wasn't. But it, why
2: it, didn't they address it?
1: Because for one thing, there's nothing in the FAR that requires them to address a new solicitation at that, if at that time. If
2: they're going to propose a resolicitation, that's unlawful.
1: But they, they haven't they haven't set forth the terms of that solicitation yet. We don't know whether that solicitation well, that, was illegal. Well, wasn't
0: that your burden? How else was she to decide whether or not your action was you had a rational basis for cancellation? Isn't part and parcel of whether or not the cancel the court the contract should have been canceled or not? It's intertwined in my mind. That issue about whether or not there's appropriate corrective action with the resolicitation is intertwined with whether or not Taurus is going to get to do, get to participate or be disqualified.
2: And It was held to be intertwined, and you tried to object to that by saying it wasn't right. The second part, you lost that. You haven't appealed the intertwined nature of the, of the corrective action, which is cancel resolicit with Taurus involved. With no attempt to cure. So So, our... so just let me tell you where I'm from. A a a rationale to proceed with Torres with no attempt to cure is arbitrary and capricious. Per well, se.
1: Okay. Well, our, our, and, our... Then,
2: and then and when you tr- there was nothing zero in the administrative record about mitigation, correct? You That's... said that in your in your brief.
1: That's 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 correct, Your Honor. Our position is that the court. So excuse our, me, but our,
2: the duty of the court was to judge the rationale, the rationality of the corrective action based on the administrative record. And you have an administrative record that offers zero rationale for the resolicitation. And it, it has to be arbitrary and capricious. And if, if
1: we if we accept if we accept. That position. I mean, uh, we but, we but believe we've taken.
2: You tried to separate resolicitation from cancellation, and arguing you weren't there he was your colleague, because he said, "Well, it's not right. The whole question about the resolicitation is not right. You shouldn't be considering that now. You should only be looking at the cancellation." She disagreed and held that they were two were inexorably combined. You have not appealed that, really. We've
1: we've taken the position in this appeal that that canceling the canceling the solicitation was sufficient to remedy for this procurement. But you have not appealed the done.
2: fact that, they, that the two pieces of the corrective action were tied together.
1: We we haven't appealed on ripeness, but Your Honor, if we accept your
2: when you haven't done that. Explain to me what the rationale in the record is for resoliciting with Tories on board.
1: Well the rationale for re-soliciting, On the record. what what is it it would be that Tor- Torres is an innocent offer here there's nothing it, in the records that suggests innocent. Torres has done anything wrong the, the decision by the contracting officer was that state state did something wrong here in providing this information to Torres Torres did nothing wrong in in uh, responding to that information we, and no, so we know
2: that we know that Torres didn't do anything wrong
1: so that's it's really a judgment call then for the well, agency right, like as
2: to so how important. to mitigate. If, if the government poisons the well, on Torres, Torres may have a cause of action against the government for poisoning the well.
1: No, I mean the agency has the discretion to take the proper corre- proper corrective action here. It's got it's and part of that part of the factor that goes into that is did Torres do anything wrong here? That that's a factor that the agency should consider in deciding whether it's going to disqualify Torres from a five-year contract. but
0: I'm going to give you time to just speak on your own, but if you could include in that, you're telling us tourists did nothing wrong. Does that mean that essentially she should have assumed that he was going to be allowed to participate? So anyway, I'm done. I'm not going to ask you. You get, your clock is done. You get minutes or as long as you need to respond to all the, the questions that have been put to you by the bench.
1: Sure, Your Honor. So the... The, the the agency made a rational decision here that it wasn't going to disqualify disqualify an innocent offer. I mean, that it's, a, it's a factor that the agency can, should consider that cancellation is an option, as is disqualification. Um, in, in this case, where Torres has done nothing wrong, disqualification seems an unduly harsh remedy for Torres. And that's that's a judgment call, a value judgment for the agency to make,
0: but not is, for is the Court of Federal Claims. Is that reviewable by the Court of Federal Claims?
1: It's reviewable under the highly deferential, arbitrary and capricious standard, but it's not arbitrary and capricious for the agency to make a value judgment that we shouldn't disqualify an innocent offer from a procurement. And even if even if we were to accept the the premise that Judge Clevenger had laid out earlier that this that you know, the agency should have had mitigation measures in its in its original corrective in its original corrective action, well, then the answer to that is to either remand to the agency for further consideration of those mitigation measures or to simply set aside the cancellation, which would allow the agency to take any take any rational action from there. And but, if, the, if those... Let me ask
2: you a question. Does the agency always get a remand when it's proven that their rationale was not rational?
1: Right. Because... Yes. I mean,
2: yeah, I mean, mean just follow me. If the case comes up, the question is, was the agency's action rational? You look at it and say, no, it's not rational. Is the, does the court of claims require to say, okay, we'll send it back and see if you can come up with a better rationale?
1: Or, ordi- ordinary, ordinarily, yes. There may be some exceptional circumstances. Ordinarily, yes. Ordinary, ordinarily, yes. Do you that's, a that's a, that's yes. Uh, Florida Power and Light um, is the, the leading case, the Supreme Court case that we cited, cited in our brief that says exactly that, that the, the trial court doesn't get to make, just because the trial court found that the agency didn't consider a relevant factor or it was irrational for some other reason that doesn't give the tr- the trial court the ability to make a de novo determination of what the proper action should be by the agency axiom stands stands for essentially the same proposition we're reviewing the decision that the agency made we're not deciding what the best corrective action here is or even what you know the only corrective action could potentially be because this is a discretionary then, determination so
2: we're reviewing the agency's action the agency action was to of the contract with Torres participating.
1: Yes. That was that was that was part of it. And if that if that was irrational without any mitigation measures in place, then the court should have remanded that to the agency so it can consider what what mitigation measures should be in place so that it doesn't have to disqualify an innocent offer if it doesn't have to. And
0: and the agency was not under an obligation after this long period of time for discovery and the hearing and everything else to say in the alternative, if you say in just we, uh, we we propose the following mitigation. Don't you think in a minimum, looking at this from the outside in, that the agency in all of this hearing and this proceeding, if they knew what the issues were, the agency should have come up with whatever mitigation? I mean, now what you're suggesting is, is we go through 10 years of litigation. We've had this. We send it back then the agency decides if it's going to mitigate. If it says no, it's going to go back up to the Court of Claims, and presumably she's going to do the same thing. If it comes up with some mitigation, then you're going to go and make arguments to the Court of Federal Claims. Don't you think the way to proceed here is if the agency is is on the ropes and saying we are not going to disqualify Torres, but they you haven't even said in your briefs, but all you say is, but we may... Do mitigation. You haven't even said we have mitigation efforts, and we think they are satisfactory. So we have an, should have an opportunity to have those reviewed. You're just speculating to us that maybe we'll do mitigation and maybe we won't. But you won't. the problem?
1: But to argue that the court should affirm because we have these mitigation measures that we're willing to put in place now, that would that would violate the Chenery doctrine.
0: Do you have mitigation numbers that you're willing to place? Because I read the briefs. Show me in the briefs. Because all I see are May's. And maybe's. But, I don't see. Uh, did you say in your brief we have mitigation measures that we want to put in, and therefore you should remand to us? We
1: d- we did not affirmatively state that we will take that state will take certain mitigation measures. You're correct. We said state may. We gave some examples of measures that state but may no, take. But note
2: two. You had two suggestions.
1: And the, and there's there's potentially others as well. But the, well, the we point. We don't know
2: that. The, well, I'm potentially in life, yeah. So you're sure.
0: asking us for a remand so that we that you can consider at this juncture whether or not there are immediate... one whether you want to do any media mitigation at all and two uh, whatever mitigation we might do we don't know what those mitigation efforts are and yep. then it's going to come up here on a challenge again. Uh, do you are you asking that we? get rid of the, preliminary, the permanent injunction in the interim or that we keep the permanent injunction in place while you're trying to see if you can come up with satisfactory mitigation measures that will satisfy the Court of Federal Claims notwithstanding the deferential standard review.
1: Yeah, if, if the court were to determine that the corrective action decision was arbitrary and capricious, it would be appropriate to leave the injunction in place to the extent of setting aside the cancellation. So that it returns the procurement to the status quo ante. And at that point, the agency can, can make those decisions about what, what mitigation measures it should take in a resolicitation because it's no longer enjoying and I think from this resoliciting. Is
0: all gonna, we've got how many more? You said that you consider the permanent injunction kaput at the end of the five years. We're like two and a half years away from that, right? So you're suggesting we remand it. You get a chance to do mitigation if you want. That gets appealed to the Court of Federal Claims. That then gets appealed to us, and don't you think it's likely that uh, the questions that we had this morning about mootness will be well underway by the time we get to this?
1: Well, my understanding is that la- the last option, the last of the four-year option periods would expire April 1st, 20, 2027. Um, you know, whether, but regardless of the of the date, like, we don't, I mean, we don't know that they would come back to this court, like, it, it may it may or may not even come back to the Court of Federal Claims, sag- SEGA may be satisfied with the mitigation measures based on changed circumstances. We, we, don't, we don't know what's going to happen there. What what the court can't what the trial court couldn't do was to require the agency to prove prove actions that it didn't to prove the actions it didn't take were rational. If that were the case, then the Axiom decision wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to say that the court can't take extra record evidence ordinarily because Otherwise, if the agency is going to decide de novo what the appropriate corrective action is, it should be doing it based on all of the relevant evidence and all of the relevant arguments. But the Chenery doctrine says that we can't argue for affirmance of an agency's decision when we don't, uh, when that this, that wasn't made by the agency. We can't argue on grounds that weren't made by the agency, and the ax- axiom says we don't ordinarily put extra record evidence in, into the record. So we shouldn't be making arguments that. You should you should affirm. We, we shouldn't be arguing. We will take these mitigation measures, and you should affirm on that basis because that would that would be improper under under S. C. T. versus Chairman.
2: But we wouldn't be here today if the agency had understood its obligation to have to have a mitigation if they were going forward, and if they had proposed a mitigation that was effective.
1: Yeah, I mean,
2: I mean, so the the the, the problem is that the what was presented to Judge Sweeney was a corrective action, a two-part corrective action, canceling and then going forward immediately with Torres on board when there was no rationale for letting Torres proceed in that free way. But then she didn't, what what option did she have? And, And the problem was that she said, well, there's nothing in the record about mitigation and you didn't even present mitigation at all in your Motion for judgment on the administrative record. You brought it up as an afterthought. But what she she she, said you were tardy, right? And your attempt to, which would have succeeded if you convinced her that the whole question of resolicitation wasn't right, but you didn't convince her of that.
1: What Judge Sweeney could have done and should have done if she found the cancellation to be arbitrary, the cancellation and resolicitation to be arbitrary and capricious is to either remand reman to the agency or to um, or to simply enjoin the cancellation and return the procurement to the, you the, believe the status. The, quo the,
2: the Florida power argument of the fact that not nothing your brief to say that I mean certainly your brief to this court doesn't start off by saying assuming for purposes of argument that, that the actions action is arbitrary and capricious the Supreme Court requires a remand. And I didn't see you making that argument.
1: Oh, we we did we did argue for remand in the in the supplemental well, briefing that
2: year. I up front argued for the remand because you right. said that the, the question of the resolution wasn't right.
1: But we we argued for remand in, in the supplemental the supplemental briefing. Did you cite well.
0: Florida Power? Because I'm looking and I'm not.
1: I don't I don't recall if the
0: did you cite Did you cite Florida Power before? I, oh, you did cite it in gray, not and in your you no, know, but. My
2: problem is that, and I hate to say this, I think the government hasn't done a good job here in presenting these issues either to Judge Sweeney or to us, so we see what the right resolution is. If what you're saying is true, that where a case comes to the Court of Federal Claims, the question is, was the agency's corrective action rational on a highly deferential Dell or otherwise standard review, the judge looks at it and says, well, what I've got here, excuse me, it's not rational. And so then the judge said, well, I looked at the book and see what I'm supposed to do when that happens. I'm supposed to remand it to the agency and see, can't you come up with a better rationale? And that's required. That's what you're telling me today. Yes. And if I go back and look at the record that was in front of the judge, I don't see your attorney telling her that. I don't see your blue brief telling us that. I see your blue brief telling us, oh, this wasn't even price information. Well and our, a few arguments like that that excuse me are frivolous.
1: But our our blue our our blue brief did argue that it was improper for her to disqualify Torres and it was even if the action was arbitrary and capricious, it was improper to for the trial court to disqualify Torres or to award the contract to Sagam International SA, Sagam's, the plaintiff's. How does not
2: personal forty nine C support what the trial court
1: did? Personal forty nine C actually supports supports our position because what the trial what the Federal Circuit. What this court said in Parcel 49C was that it's it's fine to enjoin a cancellation and to recu- return the procurement to the status quo ante. But from there, the agency can either award the contract or terminate terminate the award for any lawful reason. And that's that's all we're asking for an opportunity to do here. If the court were to agree with the trial court that this was an arbitrary and capricious corrective action decision, is the opportunity to go back and. Take whatever actions are, are necessary for a reasonable corrective action, one that likely should not include disqualifying. But that's not an a innocent jurisdictional offer.
2: question, right? So I mean, it's not a matter where I can just say, "Well, Judge Sweeney, you sure blew it," because even though the government wasn't arguing for you to remand on the Florida the power theory, you should have done it. So this it's. it's I mean, I'm I, just I, trying to think about what it is message we're sending to Judge Sweeney if we accept your argument a little late in your blue br- in your gray brief that the Florida Power decision says even when you behaved arbitrarily and capriciously you get another bite of the apple.
1: Well, the the question the, we we did argue below that the proper the proper remedy if the court were to um, find the the corrective action arbitrary and capricious was to remand. we we definitely argue that in the supplemental brief where she specifically asked asked us to address that i don't recall if we specifically cited florida power and light but there's there's no problem on appeal with citing new case law that supports an argument that you that you've made made below um and if if i need to file a 28 J letter for that point then i can um but that's not can That's I ask you one further
0: question? And this is kind of a judicial efficiency thing about going back and doing the song and dance below. I think one of the things that cuts against you, maybe is not as a legal matter, but just as a practical matter, one of the overt things about the briefing here is the dispute, which you can, the government continues to not be will, apparently not be willing to accept that the information, that the, stuff, that the problematic stuff here was not just a citation to statutes and law, to laws and collective bargaining agreements. And Judge Sweeney spent a lot of time describing all of the stuff and the, soli- the information given to Taurus. And I don't want to get into it because it may be confidential. But there was a huge dispute. And in your briefs, you don't move an inch away from, seems to me, from your view that the problem here could be which goes to how you're going to go about trying to mitigate this if the government's view is as it is repeatedly in blue and gray that this was just a matter of citing, knowing about what the rules and the, uh, the rules and the statutes are so it can be remedied by having a solicitation that just lays out the statutes. Does that continue to be your position or can that be dealt with in terms of a remand decision that tells you what you have to accept? As a given, given the fact findings of the court of federal claims,
1: our position is that the state department is the one that should be making making those determinations about the, the precise nature of what was revealed and what's necessary to um, to, rem- to remedy that well, revelation.
0: So the court of federal claims' findings in that regard, and there were numerous findings in her, uh, are those just to be can be ignored because it's state department that has the. Unreviewable discretion
1: to decide. That? Well, I, w- I wouldn't say unreviewable discretion. The court can still review for whether the, whether the new corrective action decision was was ar- arbitrary and capricious. But ultimately, well,
0: didn't you conclude that?
1: No, she concluded that the the prior corrective action was arbitrary and capricious and that as a remedy, the agency is required to disqualify an an innocent offer. But in terms of
0: what the problem was with with the solicitation, which goes to what kind of mitigation, if any, would be necessary to resolve the problem, she made very explicit findings about what the problem was, and your briefs push back on what the problems were with the solicitation. So do you have to abide by her... Per review of those solicitate of those
3: proposals,
0: or do you get to go back to square one and say we think the only problem was what the you know statute that they didn't cite the statutes, and so we find it completely mitigating if we just cite the statutes, and yeah, full we'll stop.
1: Well, I mean the the contracting officer did find that there was a proprietary benefit involved in in one instance, and I mean believe we even conceded in our reply brief that there was one instance that may have even involved Sagam's application of of a, of a labor agreement. So, I mean, we're not saying that the the, cor- the the agency should come back and say that, you know, this stuff is, is harmless information and let's, you know, let's just move move on from here. But it's the, it's the agency that should also ultimately be making the determination about how harmful it is and what what mitigation measures well, are necessary to do part
2: that? Part of the difficulty here with the two proposed the, the two proposed methods of, of mitigation are not private. I mean, one was that the contract says, oh, you must comply with all local rules and regulations, right?
1: The previous solicitation. And that's
2: the yes. previous solicitation. So in, when you start with a contract like that in for a foreign place, it's kind of a trap for the unwary because you better make certain that you complied with the rules and regulations that state thinks are a plot required, right? Because otherwise, you're going to be non-compliant
1: without having, without state having even stated it. Of course, yeah. and right. so
2: both yep. parties started off and they say, "Well, we've got to figure out which local laws to, to apply."
1: Sure, let's talk to some lawyers. And, like and
2: Sagan had been there a long time and probably had an idea of which ones it thought, and so you know it had that it listed its list, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so, what the, the contracting officer's mistake here was, she gave that list to the other side. Yes. So the other side says, Well, oh, if to comply with those, I probably better comply with those too. We don't know whether they had that information before or not. So the, even the suggested uh, mediation, mitigation things here were made up by the lawyers. They weren't then didn't come from a contracting officer. But what I think what the chief what what the presiding judge is talking about here is that your whole idea, we send this back to allow some kind of mitigation, you people may be arguing, well, the mitigation is only with regard to the proprietary information because the rest of the stuff wasn't price information because you've been unwilling to give that argument up.
1: I mean, it, it's it's we. It is our position that states should be able to make that determination of what's what's, propri, what's proprietary and what's not. I mean, we even if even accepting everything that the trial court said that this is competition-sensitive information, and you know, relating to SAGEM's costs and all that, the trial court still can't. Can't disqualify an innocent offer. It can't direct the award. Well, why not? Account- I mean, you
2: keep saying that, but oh, can't do this. Why? Florida, Florida why? Power
1: and Light, Parcel Forty Nine C, Axiom, all, well, all well, these well, decisions.
2: Well, the, the Florida Power and Light is you have to do it over again, right?
1: Right. Read, so you have to that, do yes. it
2: over again, even if they hadn't. The disqualifying towards, towards isn't the reason why Florida Power kicks in. All I'm saying is, what's wrong with disqualifying a party? where the government poisoned the party and said, "You, Mr. So and So, we poisoned you, and you cannot participate fairly in a competition."
1: I mean that to approach it that way, it could. I mean, it could potentially in the, in the perhaps- order
2: of things. So, and why? What? you don't have a case that says that Judge Sweeney couldn't disqualify to
1: Well, I mean, we we did cite to a couple GAO cases that overturned decisions that were uh, where the agency disqualified someone for doing nothing wrong. That's not binding. You're you're correct, but I mean, so i mean the, the bottom line is the agency has the discretion whether to take action such as canceling solicitation mm-hmm. disqualifying or any any other appropriate appropriate action it should be the one to make if it, if any if an offer is to be disqualified the agency is the one that should be making that disqualification decision not the not the court of federal claims that's that's the major major problem that and we have. There any
0: just one final question is there any are there any circumstances in which the agency kind of waives its ability to do it. Like here, could one couldn't one fairly say, you, know, you had a long time. We were going through all this litigation. You did throw out possible. There are possible spec speculative. It's speculative, but we have possible mitigation. At what point in the proceedings does the agency waive its right to do that? When it's before the trial court, and the trial court is giving you an opportunity to say what mitigation you would provide so that she could appropriately assess the propriety of that, and you come in, you know, and here we are three years later or two years later, still not having any idea what the mitigation would be. Is there a potential waiver? Is it? I mean, given Florida power, at some point does the agency have its chance and waive its opportunity when it doesn't come forward?
1: Well, in, in this case, we did argue before the trial court that remand would be the appropriate remedy if the, if the cancellation were found arbitrary and capricious. And, you know,
2: and at what point did you make that argument?
1: Um, you, I, not, you
2: didn't make it in your, in your uh, motion for judgment on the administrative record? I,
1: I think we, let me, at Appendix 2, we did, the court cites uh, our reply brief as arguing for stay and remand. And yeah, then we, the court we're, asked we're, for oh, further it's, it's briefing. too late. No, no, the court didn't say it was too late. She actually asked for further briefing on the various proposals that the parties had made for a potential remedy in the case. And she didn't she didn't find that the agency was or that the government was too late in arguing anything for purposes of injunctive relief. She found that the government was too late for arguing for purposes of rightness and for purposes of the merits um, in terms of mitigation measures. That that was what the, that was what the trial court it found it found there but in this case the agency so you're
2: basically arguing uh your challenge is not to her decision on the merits but to her decision in denying your motion for a stay
1: we've we've challenged you must
2: both be technical here isn't that correct
1: we we've challenged we've challenged wait this not the stay we've challenged both the decision on the merits and the scope of her, the scope of her injunction. We, we have. But her, your desire
2: both. for a remand is only connected with the injunction, with the motion on the injunction.
1: Yes, that's that's what right. That's what I understood us to be discussing here at this part. Okay. Thank right, you. Thank you, Your Honor.
3: Morning, Your Honors. Tom Coulter for the Applee Sagam Security. Uh, may it please the court. Um, the reason we're here today.
0: We know why we're here. Can you please us? Mm-hmm. You know the record probably, hopefully, as well as we do, almost. Can you point us I, – I do recall, as Judge Clevenger said, that she said they had waived their right or they should have raised it earlier on mitigation. Can you point us to where she said that?
3: Yeah. There is a footnote in the court's opinion, in Judge Sweeney's opinion, saying that the supplemental briefing um, was ordered, but it was not to be uh, on the merits. Um,
2: Didn't want to raise any new issues?
3: Yes, Your Honor. That's correct. And so that is why she considered the the mitigation argument to be too late for consideration. Okay. By the court. So where
0: did she say that? I'm just having a hard time finding it. Do you happen to have it off the top of your head? Where? Because she did. I, I recall that she did say that it's too late and they should have made it earlier. But it can't.
3: Yes. So she did. Uh, I'm sorry, Your Honor. Um,
0: is it on page 35? Defendant also contends the court failed to consider how the state might mitigate the CO's improper disclosure to tourists. Uh, defendant did not raise this argument either in the motion judgment on the administrative record or in its reply brief. In other words, in its briefing on the merits, defense did not suggest that a mitigation, well, I think that's it, right? That is
3: the correct site, Your Honor. Sorry, I was looking at the wrong opinion. That's that's right. That is her second opinion. That's right.
0: What about Florida Collar?
3: I, I don't really think Florida power comes into play here um, uh, because...
2: What about the, just the basic proposition in a bid-protest type situation where the, the question is, was the agency's corrective action sustainable as rational? And the decision of the court is, no, it was not rational. Right. Your adversary says the correct law in that instance is then to remand the case. Assuming a request was made, et cetera, et cetera, et
3: cetera. Right. Let, let's assume those those no. uh, points of, of, of your hypothetical, Your Honor. Um, in the typical case, that is what Florida Power says. This is far from the typical case. Judge Sweeney considered that in her opinion. And said well, though,
2: she, well she said it wasn't a typical case do you think she actually considered the florida, um, remand in the florida power context
3: i, I do remember. in fact she says um, there is no need for remand specifically um, in her opinion so she she was aware of the florida power issue and she specifically says um there's no need for remand in this case where, where are we um,
2: Merit's opinion or? it is
3: in the merit's opinion, her first opinion, Your Honor, it's appendix twenty-three. Um the court rejects defendants' favored choice among the actions proposed by the parties. There is no need to remand the agency's cancellation and resolicitation plan to the to the HCA, the head of contracting activity, to obtain a second opinion as to whether the plan is rational and whether the agency should reconsider its decision not to disqualify Torres.
2: Is her basis, still more so a judicial efficiency sort of basis, or why do you think she's
3: continuing I that? I think, Your Honor, again, uh, I- I'd love to have this case be some broad pronouncement of a principle, but it really is going to be based on the unique circumstances of this case, and I think that's what Judge Sweeney took into account. She is saying in the normal course she understands the process, but here it's the endless loop of protest on disqualification that we would have ended up in and she felt, though – and I think part of it was, frankly, the government's positions in this case, um, that she felt uh, the CO clearly was not going to disqualify Torres. She would made that clear. Um, the government was pushing back on whether that was proper or even allowable. And I think in her mind, um, the remand process was going to be ineffectual. And so she's just sort of cut to the chase and said, this is – The only rational outcome to cure uh, the harm to the competitive process, and so that—that's why she went. She. uh... Well, do you
0: think that's right, though? I mean, doesn't the the government, if the government says it has the right to mitigate, I take your point on disqualification, but don't they get to try? I mean, they—they do have a lot of authority here, and the discretion is really, you know, very little discretion on on the, the judiciary. So why don't
3: we have to let them try? And I think, fair point, Your Honor, and I think Judge Sweeney considered that. This is, again, it's an unusual case, and I think we have to look at the record, as, as you were discussing with government counsel. The contracting officer had already considered whether mitigation was something that was appropriate here.
2: Wait, how do we
3: know that? In her declaration, uh, which was submitted late in the game, um right before the court's, uh, be- right before the hearing. And
2: that, so it's not, it wasn't in the administrative record?
3: It was not part of the administrative record, but it was considered by the court. Is it is in, in the appendix? It is, Your Honor. It begins on page, th- uh, 3042. 3042. Um, and in that, um in that declaration, while raising some concerns about um, that 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 costs may have changed because of certain issues in Senegal at the time. Um, and, and remember, the, the ironic thing about this declaration is that the, the first part of it was we're going to be consigned to to paying too much if you disqualify Torres, and then the second part of it is we're worried that Saddam isn't paying its guards enough because there are conditions that changed in Senegal. So it was a little confusing as to what the position was, but.
2: Where is she in, talking about
3: mitigation? In paragraph 19, um, the, uh, the the on page, I'm sorry, 3044, Appendix 3044, she talks about a stay in remand with, with further delay. So she's against remand, first of all. So the government is arguing for it, but their own client doesn't want it. Um, uh, and, and, and she is inclined to go forward um, with the contract. Um, and how do we? Well, yeah, win- but
0: that's uh, that's a little unfair to her. Yeah, she'd like to win, but that doesn't mean that she's given up a lesser win, which is where the government, I think, is not.
3: Right. And so, what is the best <coughs> evidence that mitigation is really not necessary here? Um, I think it would be that they've awarded us the contract, um, and this goes back to a point on mootness that but we
2: just made. just to stop yeah. on, on sure. mitigation
3: issue for a second. Yes, your honor. It, it,
2: It seemed to me that the two methods, two proposals for mitigation that were suggested in footnote 2 on page 5 by the government in the later briefing, the, the first that, well, simply have the parties each tell you which local law they think applies, didn't seem to me to be very effective, even suggested mitigation because it still raises the problem of somebody missing something and the state not knowing which one. The second proposal, which was the state finally says, here, we're going to tell you exactly which local laws apply. Seemed to me to level the playing field, because then whatever Torres knowledge had about what Sagam thought might applied is irrelevant because the government's telling you. So it kind of seemed to me like there was a way in which you can deal with this, but what it means is state loses its opportunity to play gotcha, which it may like to play, in a contract situation when they say comply with a local level, we won't tell you which one it is. And we'll tell you later, gotcha, you forgot, you missed it. I
3: I think it also, Your Honor, um, and and beyond gotcha, I I think it puts State in a position of uh, being the expert in every country all around the world of that country's interior laws, customs, practices. And I don't think the State Department wants to go there. I
2: think that's, I think it, I, I, I'm not trying to suggest that state on pur- purpose pur- puts out an RFP that is labeled gotcha. Right. But it is a trap for the unwary.
3: It is a trap for the unwary, and of course, um, uh, that is why the essence of the compensation plan was to make sure that the local entity understood the laws and would comply with it, and that therefore state was comfortable that it was getting a compliant compensation plan and wouldn't face any problems with its own contractor having violated local law.
2: But can I just think about what happens if we were you see, listening as I do through all of this? Uh, it seemed to me that the best hope the government has to prevail here is to convince us that its Florida power argument was made below, that it was actually made in the blue brief here instead of later on in the etc. Uh, and so assuming that we agreed with that, and we said, oh, well, there's a mistake here, she should not have entered this injunction. Now, we vacate the injunction. What happens? Your client is in the midst of the option year two, I think. Yes, Sean. Right? So if we enter this order... We we are throwing a wrench in the in, in the machinery, right? So what happens?
3: I, I I think as was discussed by government counsel, um, I think what happens is um, it would give uh, the government the right to terminate, and they pretty clearly indicated for some reason they just don't want the incumbent of almost forty okay. years mm-hmm. to continue. Uh, that they're going to terminate. They're going to engage what about in an,
2: the current contract? I mean, are are you relieved of your obligation to perform?
3: We would be. I think they'd have to get our consent I to mean, you to
2: a, walk away and say, We're take your guards away tomorrow.
3: That's right. Um, and if you don't like that, here's the price you'll have to pay. And that may not be good for state. In fact, they have us locked into a contract right now Can with I prices – I
0: guess I'm, I'm getting a little confused about sure. this. Sure. Well, Going back to the very beginning of this argument, I'm sure you were listening attentively. Yes, Your We were asking the government questions. So the first question is, is this case right? And did you agree with the government's answer that, one, they felt that under the permanent re- injunction, they had to continue with the extra five years or else they would have been in violation, point one? Do you also agree with the government that at the end of this five-year plan, like 2027, he said, You're done, and the permanent injunction is gone, and they can do whatever they want, at least in this case. Do you agree with those two premises?
3: I do, Your Honor, but let me add this. I I do agree with those two points. Um, I think the injunction was designed to make sure that Sagam had the full benefit of the contract. So that the government
0: did not have the ability to stop these additional year
3: Right, because otherwise, the, okay. The, so
0: you agree with that? What about I, the second point? I
3: do agree with that, and I think I think the ruling is to govern the solicitation, which was a five-year period. So I, I do I do agree with that. Now, having said that, I'm not saying we wouldn't challenge uh, a later solicitation, so you, but I don't you think, you think you the might injun- you
0: might argue it was intended to go on in perpetuity. Well, we'll get to that if we ever have to get to that. What about? I mean, Judge Clevenger just mentioned if we were to vacate the injunction and we do you agree that if we were to keep we, we could remand it even if we agree that the government with the government the contracting officer should in the first instance have had the ability to try some mitigation and see if it could pass muster that uh, it could leave the permanent injunction in place until that happens
3: that and I want to make make sure I understand your judge your honor's question is, is it that you can order the remand or allow the remand
2: well, we would order
3: the remand. I don't I, see I think that's a decision for the Court of Federal Claims under Rule fifty two as to whether or oh you would order the you remand back to the remand? court. I'm sorry. I, I was no, speaking I of, of a different of remand. Our
0: here.
3: Yes, yes. No no Your Honor, no. No, I was speaking about the remand okay. to the agency. So
0: I mean sorry. we could do one of two things if we were inclined to, th- to see some heft in the government's argument that they should have another chance. Uh, we could keep the permanent injunction in place. Or we could remove the permanent injunction, which I think would create kind of a weird interim circumstance which, you know, could you know, create more havoc that's already been created.
2: But, you know, I I, uh, just just a little second. Actually, though, I know that when you were talking to Judge Cleminger. you were talking about kind of like the laws and uh, public agreements, but was there also a proprietary benefit that was disclosed? My understanding was yes, but I'm trying to be a bit vague in of confidentiality
3: concerns. That is what the record reflects in terms of the contracting officer's findings. Um, in her memorandum, she identified mandatory benefits that were disclosed and a and a and what she deemed a proprietary benefit. There was also, as government counsel pointed out, some uh, information as to basically how to price the contract over a period of five years because there was information about changes in labor rates that occur each year on the contract which was clearly not publicly available and given to the other side, which would have helped them price the five years. Um, and uh, in addition, I, I, you know, I, I I don't think it's necessary to go through as, uh, based on the discussion, but but there is there's a lot more information than laws and regulations that were uh, given to the other side, which is why the contracting officer concluded it was, in fact, a, procur- a Procurement Integrity Act violation, and it did, in fact, impact the procurement. Um, and that's... So you,
0: are you comfortable with everything the Court of Federal Claims said that if they were to go back and just list the statute, the relevance, here are the relevant statutes and here are the relevant existing collective bargaining agreements, that that would be insufficient as a mitigation remedy? And do you think that it's a fair view of reading the Court of Federal Claims that she's already decided that?
3: Yes. I, I do I do Your honor I, I think in this instance to 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 list them first of all um, is to take our work product and list them out for Torres which really doesn't get you back to the same point where we are now um, uh, and and the state Department has already said um, that it's impacted the procurement and so we, we can't take that knowledge away from Torres. and I think by the way on an innocent offer or front I mean that that the government has been Sort of supremely focused on the unfairness to Torres, who, as I understand, they don't represent. But they're really concerned about the unfairness. There's no consideration for the unfairness to the procurement system as large, which is sort of their responsibility. Nor is there any consideration to the harm that it does to Sagam, its longtime incumbent. Not to mention the fact that um, the the uh, allowing this resolicitation to go forward without the mitigation that the judge found was necessary, basically allows the government to benefit from its its own procurement integrity act violation. I mean, I, I'm not sure why the government wouldn't always do this, because they're going to get
0: Well, more. I don't want to be suggesting right. that the government's not acting in good... Place. No, 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 no. Do no, you no. think this, no, this no, case not. would have been different or the government's arguments would have been different? Let's assume they had four potential passing all the rules four offerers rather than just being left with Saturn as the only one? Because some of the arguments I read the government is making this is like this judge hand the offer, the contractor. Uh, is that just a matter of the nature of this, as you said, unusual case where there was only one man left standing? Uh, would it have been a, a, a little different or easier if there were several offerers still in the pot and then the government had a more than one you know you understand what I'm saying that her result dictated you but that to me was only because that was the nature of the contract happenstance it could have been there were, would have been three of you outstanding
3: I do agree with you your honor I think that made a big difference here and I think that's part of why the government was uh, uh bothered by her decision I think right if they had had three other choices and all she had said is I'm putting it back st- status quo status quo ante uh they would have gone through that she would have said and go through your award process which is what she said they would have then chosen from one of the three and they would have felt like they're making a choice as opposed to having to select Sagan because they were the only ones left in the competitive range i do agree with you your honor. i think that was a big factor here um but i but i just there, there the the mitigation idea again we i don't know how long we've been at this but we've been at this a while there hasn't been any there's no record evidence of any suggested mitigation and, in fact, the government wanted to go ahead and resolicit, and, in fact, has gone ahead and awarded us a contract in 2021, October 22 of 2021, with no change. So there was no – there was no change, circumstances, all the things that they talked about might be possible, didn't happen, and in two years of operating that contract, mm-hmm. there have been no changes. So. I'm not sure what the interest here is, but it's going to end up with a termination, a resolicitation. I would suggest... Well, it probably ends
2: up with a bunch of bridge contracts for you guys, which is what you were living under when in the earlier stage, and you probably even had a bridge briefly... Uh, In in this case. We did, Your Honor. Because the dates don't line
3: up. We did, Your Honor. That's exactly right. And that's what would happen, presumably. We've got to work out a new price because it's a brand-new contract. But presuming we can do that, um, then the government will have the same services it's had for almost 40 years by the same contractor protecting the embassy. Um, and, And that is where... Again, this should lie. Now, I, I did want to add on the mootness well, it's, point. It's
2: clear to me now that the, the government obviously isn't unhappy with Sagan. I mean, you, right. if you were not performing a contract to protect our embassy they would have gotten rid of you. Yes, sir. So there's no, in a Article Three, case or controversy, sense, there's no dispute between the plaintiff and the defendant in this case. No, Your Honor. I, I can't see one, and your adversary hasn't pointed to one. No, Your Honor. So there, they, as they said, they want to... They want to pursue this appeal to vindicate their interest in this case. Right. And he said his interest in this case is he thinks the court claims judge should not be allowed to disqualify a bidder. Only a contracting officer can do that, and that's the rule of law he wants to get established for future cases. It, it, that has absolutely no impact on this case at all.
3: Your Honor, I at think this, you're I think you're exactly right. I think that is the Justice Department's interest in this case. If the ruling were clear that all the judge did was disqualify because it was the only rational corrective action and there really isn't any debate about it, then I don't think the government has as much of a problem with her decision because she's not disqualifying taking an action of the contracting officer. She is merely saying the only rational... Remedy.
2: She's the only remedy I have. That's right. ...is this. And, and, the, only, and the, the remedy that was suggested, which was to remand and let her have a do-over... She rejected.
3: That's exactly right, Your Honor. So
2: I mean I think legitimately, if we if if the government, which in my opinion has not done its usual job of presenting issues as squarely as they might have to help us, if if we like the government if we feel the government's argument that a remand is required, so be it. It'll happen. And it would seem to me that we can give Judge Sweeney authority to decide whether to leave her injunction in place or to amend it or reissue it or do something with it, then she's going to be hearing from the two of you as to what has to happen to allow the remand to go forward,
3: I, right? I, I think I think that's right, Your Honor. The only other thing I would say, and I just want to mention this, on, on the mootness point. And you say
2: say on the other side, if we see this case, a, we used to call them sports in, in law school. This is, a, this is an odd case. And if we see the disqualification as not an affirmative act of take, replacing the duty of the contracting officer, we simply she had no other remedy. It's a sport, it's a one-off, it's not likely to happen again. I mean, if this case were indeed moot, Kingdom War, there'd be no exception here, right? Right. So it, this isn't going to happen again.
3: And, and, and that's, I think, the point I wanted to mention is Judge Sweeney mentioned that the government's concern about mootness could be ameliorated by by taking two steps. One was to file a motion to stay pending appeal in this court, which they did not do. do. Um, Number two is to rely on the exception, which as Your Honor just noted, this is a five-year contract. They had plenty of time to review it. They didn't need to award us the contract. Oh, it could have so, just so, gone too, on. It's
2: a, on the kingdom where tracing back is a two part test. You not only have to have the shortness of time, but you have to show this isn't going to happen again.
3: Right, but you have to have both. I, I know, b- I And
2: for the government to say this, this is going to happen again uh, would be very
0: embarrassing for the government. <laughs> All right. I think we've had enough. Thank you. Thank you,
3: Your Honor.
1: Thank you, Your Honor. Um, to address the last point first about the case and controversy, just just because the government doesn't have a problem with how SAGM is performing right now doesn't mean there's no case and controversy in this in this court. I mean, the government does not necessarily want to go forward Do with a contract.
2: That it's unlikely this set of facts would be presented to us again. Just following up on what Judge Clevenger just asked the opposing counsel.
1: I mean, the the, the the specific set of facts, sure. Yes, I mean, if the court were to affirm in this case, do I think there would be other cases where the court may order an agency to award to another, to an offer, or to even, um, or to disqualify an offer? Yeah, I think that that very well could happen again in the Court of Federal Claims if the court were to affirm here. Um, So, I mean, if the court were, and it's certainly our position in this case is not moot, but if the court were to find it moot, it should, at the very least, vacate the the trial court's order because the reason it would have become moot is because we followed the court's. We followed the court's order, not because of would anything you, we did would voluntarily. Would your position
0: be different if they were, as like, opposed to your other, to your friend, a hypothetical, that there had been four contractors that were eligible? So when she disqualifies that the government isn't being told who to award the contract to. The government still gets to pick among a number of people. It, would that change your argument here? At least get rid of one or two of your arguments. It, it
1: would be more nuanced, certainly. But the, our problem is not simply that the court ordered the award to, to Sagam International SA. Our problem is that the court actually disqualified an offer to do that. The court, the trial court, made a procurement decision that only the agency should be making. Instead of instead of simply saying you didn't adequately justify your your decision to cancel, you didn't consider mitigation measures. You should have. You didn't consider the fact that. Uh, Torres now has this information that it shouldn't, you didn't consider these relevant factors and therefore I'm declaring your cancellation to be irrational and I'm returning the procurement to the status quo ante. It took it a step further and said, okay, now that we've returned it to the status quo ante, I'm telling you, you need to disqualify Torres and you need to then proceed to award to, to, to the remaining offer if that offer is determined to be responsible. So that's, that, that's, the, that's the bridge too far here in terms of the remedy. Remedy portion of this case. I mean, the agency made the agency made one corrective action decision here. This isn't a situation where there's been like serial remands or or something like that. I mean, it should, administrative review shouldn't be a game of gotcha where the agency makes makes a mistake in its in any determination, makes an irrational uh, decision, and then the court then comes back and says, all right, well you you did it irrationally, so now I'm going to do it for you, and I'm going to do it the right way as a matter of efficiency. Florida Power and Light for forecloses that, at least in the at least in the ordinary ordinary circumstances. And again, with just one remand here, there's nothing or one decision here, there's nothing extraordinary about this case that requires the trial court to throw off um, the normal the normal way that uh, administrative review is done. Um, so unless the course, any other questions? Uh, respectful respectfully request that the uh, the court uh vacate the trial court's injunction.